It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. Today, I'm sitting here with Mo Egger, friend of the show. We're back talking. We're going to review the season. First of all, of course, we've got to start off with the fact. By the way, how are you doing? I'm well. You? I'm doing pretty well. Awesome. I went to the beach a couple weeks ago, and I went to Pittsburgh this past weekend. So I've been. Oh, that's right. You were there for two games. Just one game. Okay. All right. The Saturday game that got delayed, and we found out you should probably get a hotel game or a hotel after a night game. Correct. Driving home sucked that night. Anyway. I understand. Four in the morning. Oof. That's not good. Uh, But. You won the bet that we made, <laughs> the multiple bets that we made, the over-unders. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to admit, I was a little bit more confident in the Reds going over 500 than I thought, and yeah. that turned to be not that great of an idea. So you got that. Okay. Joey Votto hit under 300. Mm-hmm. But the only one that I did win was Derek Dietrich not hitting more than 25. Which, yeah. to be honest with you... Felt good about that one. Yeah, I thought that I was putting that up on a tee. Yeah. So, yep, you won that one. And I'll pay up here in a minute, promise. All right, well, that, that's exciting. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the season. Okay. Because there were a lot of storylines, mostly with the theme of, hey, they felt good. It was fun, entertaining, and kind of like you said, we don't want to be that way next year. Mm-hmm. But at least we weren't 2018. Yeah. When you look back on the season, what's the first thing you're going to remember about 2019? It's um, a good question. First thing I remember is the the excitement leading up to the series against the Cubs. Yeah. Um, which occurred against the backdrop of Aristides Aquino mania. That that was the step. That was the step I think we all hoped the Reds would take this year. It was the most realistic step. Now, you know, it'd be great if we were sitting here previewing a, you know, NLDS or something like that. But yeah. to me, that was when, if, if you are judging 2019 in a vacuum, what's the one thing that would make it successful that was realistic? Get me to a point where you could at least entertain the idea that they could be in it you know, in the long haul. And the, the the Thursday of that Cub series, that was it. Right. It wasn't a stretch to think that they could do something from yeah. that point. From, from that point, that's what I'll remember. And I know that, you know, they only won two of the games and all that. But, I mean, that to me was, all right, 2019, this was the goal. Yeah. They're, they're, they're officially better than they were last year. And some semblance of a pennant race is here. Now, semblance is the key word. But that, to me, that's what I'll think about. That we 
for years I would lament, like, there hasn't been, like, this, you know, big series that we made a big deal about for years and years and years, and that one, I mean, we even joked, it's, it's the first time I've gotten somebody to talk about the other team. Since 2013, since the 2013 wildcard game, we got Jesse Rogers from ESPN Chicago on. So that to me was a, that's what I'll think of first. I'm with you. It was things like that. Like, I got the chance. I was down at the day game whenever they swept the Astros. And that in itself just felt. God, I forgot about it. They swept the Astros, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. It was was almost, and it's weird because it's a regular season game, but we've been wanting anything to grab onto. And that in itself almost felt a little euphoric. Yeah. I mean, it was really good. And then you just look back on it, and you're like, boy, the month of September and the month of August especially, you just really kind of flatlined. But as a whole, they kept our attention much longer. Yeah, they had it till mid-August. Then they had yeah. They, they had it till right after that Cubs series. Um, and that's kind of about as long as I thought that they would, would really have it. Now, you know, and down the stretch, Suarez – and what he did in September and putting himself in the home run race and chasing 50 and, you know, that was, that was worth paying attention to. But yeah, it, it, they got us, they got us to the point that we had said before the season, man, get me to mid to late August and that'll be good. Now that's not going to be good enough next year, but that, and so when they, when they hosted the Cubs and there was a degree of excitement coming into it, that was, you know, to me, that was it. That was, that was cool. That was fun. Of the newcomers that came up, all the young guys and all that stuff, between, let's narrow it to Aquino, Van Meter, I think Senzel probably is a given, so I'm going to leave him out of this, but Aquino, Van Meter, O'Grady, those three. Mm -hmm. Who's the most successful long-term? That's another really good question. Um... Because one of them almost seems obvious, but he really tapered off the last couple weeks of the season because people figured out how to pitch. Aquino, yeah. yeah. People figured out how to pitch. Total mystery still, isn't he? Yeah. You know, um, there's a place for him on this team. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no denying that. But Yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know, I even wrote a piece in, in the middle of all of it in, in August that was basically like, I, I can't figure this kid out. I don't know what he is, but I don't care. This is a blast. Yeah. Well, it's fun in August when you're trying to figure out what the team is going to look like next year. You know, I, 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 think it's, I think it's fun to think about how far he came in 12 months. And then you go, okay, well, how much further can he go? And with, uh, you know, a little more plate discipline and some seasoning, you know, what kind of hitter are we talking about? He, to me, is the one guy, though, that if you – if, if you decided he wasn't going to be a big part of your team and somehow he landed somewhere else, the, the upside, I mean, you want to watch that play out elsewhere? So, nah. you know, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, Van Meter's intriguing because he hits left. He has a beautiful swing, mm. and he can play a bunch of different positions. Or he can play a couple of different positions. So he's, he's really interesting to me. Oh, Grady, I, mean, I have no idea. I, I, I mean, your, your guess, <clears throat> your guess is as good as mine. But I mean, if what Aquino did in August portended a guy that you could put in the lineup and get thirty-five home runs from, and it's cheap, and he can uh, be a 
a decent right fielder? Come on. You know, yeah. that's that seemingly has been a position where they've been looking for, you know, a, a guy since Bruce left. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a talent evaluator. But I can tell you, man, that, you know, he did just enough that if they don't go get a sure thing in right field, you know, boy, that'd be interesting. But They could at least sell him. It's not as if they're they lost if they got weed. if they got really good elsewhere yeah. if if they got elite level offensive production or players who are you know stars in their prime at other positions and he said all right we're going to try Aquino in right field you could live with it the problem is there's only eight spots out there third base isn't going to change first base isn't going to change like you're looking for at some point you need a sure thing man I, I, at some point. And I don't know that Aquino – I know he's not a sure thing. Yeah. So, you know, you balance what his upside could be versus, you know, what the price you might pay for handing him the job if he fails. You know, in the year where they're supposed to go for it, I think you know, there's no sure thing. But I think you need as many sure things as possible. And he's just not one. The thing that bugged me <coughs> – the only thing that I wonder about him is that is one of the things we talked about when I said I think he sticks if he ends the year two months of playing baseball and he goes 300, 400, 500 in his slash line. His slugging stayed around 500. Yeah. His on-base was tied way too much to his batting average. Yeah. And they have a lot of guys like that already on the yeah, roster. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And that's Ooh. something that it was made obvious this season that – while you saw numbers, you saw home runs uptick from everyone. I think I saw an article in the Athletic said that like 19 teams set their franchise record for home runs. Mm-hmm. When everyone's doing it, that means you got to kind of scale back what the individual numbers look like. Yeah. So that really, that's the biggest thing is can he lay off that crap that he was swinging at all the right. time? He swung at it all the time when I was up in. See him Pittsburgh. I'm like, they're gonna throw him breaking stuff outside, fastballs inside, and they never, <coughs> they never deviated from that. Those are right. the only two pitches they threw him. So it'll be interesting to see how he works out. Got more Reds coming, but first, have you ever worn really comfortable socks? Yeah, because Bombas are what feet daydream. About. I've got some. Bombas are amazing. Bombas are what feet daydream, and for every pair. That is purchased, a pair is given to someone who needs socks. Go to bombas.com slash locked. You're going to get 20% off your first order. That's bombas.com slash locked. And I'm wondering, I don't know, um, a man of your stature and in your station in life probably doesn't have to worry about this too often, but the last time you went to buy some seats... Did you go straight through the team? Did you go up to the box office? Did you say, hey, I need a couple of tickets? Or did you buy them on your phone? I bought them on my phone. So did what do I. you mean? A, a guy, what, I don't buy tickets to games? What are you talking about? <laughs> guy my stature doesn't. What do, you, what do you mean? I figured people were just giving you tickets left and right. Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. <laughs> I'm always walking into free tickets, yeah. Well, As I'm sitting out there in the, the reaches of right field and the upper deck, yeah, it's that captain free tickets because these teams all love me so much. Exactly. Just and in, handing over. How many do you want, Mo? And in case your station in life does not see that you're getting free tickets all the time, 
I urge you to check out the Vivid Seats app. I actually bought my tickets when I went to PNC Park this last weekend from Vivid Seats. How about that? Very nice. Decently priced. I'm not going to promise that they always have decent prices. It just so happened that the Pirates and the Reds are both bad, so no one cared about that game. Perfect. But with the promo code POSTSEASON, you can go to your next game with a very nice discount. You could get a discount, depending on how expensive the tickets are, up to $100. Wow. With the promo code POSTSEASON. Download the Vivid Seats app and do that right now. And you know what? That's not even limited to sports. You could go to live events. You could go to a concert. Uh, you know, a comedy act. I'm blanking. I'm thinking just Jerry Seinfeld. But whatever you can think of, promo code postseason is going to get you a discount of up to $100. On the good side of things, on the pitching, mm-hmm. for a moment, throw away nostalgia. Because as Reds fans, nostalgia will dictate who we pick wins this argument. Mm-hmm. Who had the better year? Luis Castillo. Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray. Yeah. Undeniably. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't care about the numbers. I felt better when he took the mound than when Luis Castillo took the mound. Mm-hmm. There's no knock on Luis. You think of a couple of the games where they gave him big leads early and they couldn't win them. And you yeah. know, maybe how things play out if they do win those games. But, um, yeah, I mean, you think of the offseason. He, he was not the guy we talked about the most. He ended up being the most critical offseason acquisition. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was Sonny Gray, and, you know, I mean, that's that's the thing. You go into next year with a, you know, forget about Bauer for a second, with a, a 1-2 that, that's pretty damn good. But, yeah, to me it's, you know, there's the, the tangible stuff of making an all-star team, but there was just this sense of reliability with him. Uh, and, again, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, it – he was bona fide staff ace, man. I'd, I'd go Sonny. I had a poll question, and I, and I asked it wrong. I do a lot of things wrong. But I asked who would be the opening day starter, and somebody commented on it, and they said, well, what about one-game playoff? If the Reds are facing the Nationals, which obviously they weren't even close to doing that, but if they're facing Max Scherzer in the Nationals, it's Sonny Gray that's starting, right? For me, yeah. Yeah. Because if if, if if Castillo had to start the game, I'd feel good. Right. If, you know, Sonny pitches on Sunday because you got to get in, and you know, I'd feel pretty good. But yeah, I, I think I, I frankly, I believe that's the. I, I think opening day starter, you know, that's symbolic. Who, who yeah. cares? To, to me, it's who you're running out there in a game that you have to win. P- pick a guy, um, and based on the results this year, yeah, I would, I would say Sonny Gray. I, there's a level of experience there. He's going to keep the ball down. Nothing's going to rattle him, you know, all that stuff that's cliche. But, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's Sonny Gray. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. One more thing before we jump into the offseason, some moves that have already happened, some coaching moves that have already happened, and then some moves we want to see. I want to unpack, um, because I know you made the point, <coughs> there's a lot of folks that understand this point. Big picture overall, we've seen 162 games of his managerial style. How do you feel about David Bell after his first season ever being a manager? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's about how I feel. Okay. I don't feel bad. No, I, you know, I'm not screaming. I, I put it to you this way. If they fired him today, I feel bad for him because he seems like a really good dude. But I, I wouldn't be like, wow, they just let a great baseball mind get away. Holy crap, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, now David Bell's going to make you pay for that for the next 10 to 12 years. So, um, go get Joe Madden. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, I know you're. I know you're not a Joe Man guy at all. <laughs> so I don't. I don't feel like. You know, boy. If he got fired, it would be this you know huge injustice. At the same time, I, I, I certainly feel like him coming back next year. It's going to be interesting to see how, how he evolves as a manager. How, how the organization's overall philosophies continue to be reflected by how he manages. And, and, you know, the, the big thing for everybody is how does he handle the starting staff and, in, in line with that, handle the bullpen. But, you know, I, I didn't – I watched this team this – for, for the most part, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't notice David Bell a lot. I didn't find myself really thinking or talking about David Bell a lot. And I, I know I, I beat this to death on, on my radio show. Like, over 162 games, if you follow a team closely, there's going to be nights where the manager does something that doesn't work. Or that he just makes you scratch your head. It happens all the time. All for, the time. For every team. F- folks who think, well, just hire Joe Madden. I, I, I follow a lot of people in Chicago, and, and I see the things that are said about him game in and game out. You know, that stuff to me, it's, are you egregiously bad? Does the team look unprepared? Um, or is he using archaic baseball strategy that just doesn't jive with the way the game is played. Do players like playing for him? I mean, I, I, I just, as the season, in the run-up to the season, I barely thought about David Bell. It was all about the players they acquired, and once the season started, I didn't think about David Bell that much. It was about the players that were playing. Right. So, I, I just, I, I think the manager is less relevant than we, I, I think we spend way too much time on the manager. I just, I've always felt that way. I think we spend way too much time on the manager. Now, I think talking big picture, you know, do the Reds have the right philosophies and is this guy the best person to execute them? Because, you know, I said this back during the middle of the season. I said, if you want to get rid of David Bell, get ready for David Bell 2.0. Yeah. They hired him with a certain profile of manager in mind. They haven't changed that. Their manager is not going to bunt. Their manager is going to pull pitchers early. Their manager is going to use his closer in, in different situations than we're, we're used to seeing. And I, I know that's yeah. that, that'll be a topic going into next year. Like they're going to hire the same type of guy. Right. So I'm more interested in the you know overall organizational philosophies and how well the next manager can execute them and um, you know weigh his own thoughts and philosophies day in and day out against the uh, macro stuff that the organization itself <coughs> wants to dictate decisions. But I, I, I thought he did okay. I mean, I, I just – if the Reds are a playoff team next year, it's not going to be because suddenly the manager's a genius. Right. And if the Reds lose 90 games next year, it's not going to be because suddenly the manager's a bum. That's true. And I think that's the modern <clears throat> baseball. It's like, yeah, they've got their own philosophies on how to – Run the bullpen, how whether to bunt, whether not to bunt, but I think the modern manager is a invisible guy during the game. Yeah. Now I know that he represented his players well whenever it came to yelling at umpires yeah. and getting into fights with Clint Hurdle, and that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And it's nice that Clint Hurdle is no longer manager for the yeah. Pirates, but I, I think overall, like you said, it's about the talent on the roster, which we're going to get to. 
I'm just thinking the, the Red Sox have won four World Series in 15 years with three different managers. Yeah. Does anybody, if, if the manager of the Houston Astros walked in here right now, would anybody know who A.J. Hinge is? No. Like, we know Joe Madden because baseball writers slobber over him, <laughs> and he's a funny quote, and he comes up with pithy T-shirt slogans. Cubs won the World Series because they developed great players, because they tanked, because Theo Epstein did a great job of building a roster. It went because of Joe Madden. I mean, I'm, the Red Sox didn't win the World Series this year, or uh, last year, because of Alex Cora. I, I just, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I just... In that sport, I, I just think the manager is not irrelevant by any stretch, but is, is less important than we make him out. To me, it's about organizations. And, you know, I think the Reds as an organization are an interesting place right now. I, I think it's about, you know, top-to-bottom organizations. And the manager is a part of that, but not as big a part of it as we tend to think. The L.A. Dodgers have won seven straight NL West titles. It's not because of Dave Roberts. I don't even know how many of those Dave Roberts was there for. I know he was there yeah. for the last two. Mattingly was Mattingly. there for some of them. Like, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even know or, frankly, care. Right. I mean, the, the St. Louis Cardinals don't miss a beat. Right. La Rosa wins World Series. Matheny goes to a World Series. Mike Schilt back in the playoffs. It ain't the manager. No. It's not the manager. I agree with you, and I was just trying to remember who the name of the Rays manager is. I can't remember it right now. It's it's Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash, and and you know they're different because of how they they use talent. But yeah, it's it's it, it, to me it's about organizations. Yeah, it ain't if the Reds hire Joe Madden and suck at developing talent and making the right baseball decisions. Joe Madden's gonna lose. Yeah, it just it you know it's like when we, I always said about Brian Price, Brian Price took over during a period of subtraction. Dusty Baker took over during a period of addition. You're going to win when you add. You're going to lose when you subtract. Flip-flop the two. Brian Price wins two division titles. Dusty Baker loses 90 games every year. Yeah. So I just think we spend way too much time on the manager, regardless of who it is. I agree with you. That's going to do it for today's episode. We've got part two of the interview with Mo tomorrow. Going to be talking about some of the coaching moves that happened literally not very long before I recorded the interview with Mo. Going to get into that and some more off-season stuff. Hope you subscribe to the podcast. That's the best way to get it each and every day. Whatever podcasting platform you've got, it's got a subscribe button. It'll automatically send an episode to you. Also, check us out on Twitter at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three F's. And save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. I bet you have plenty of thoughts after my chat with Mo today, tomorrow, maybe even Friday as well. I want to hear him. We'll do some Locked On Reds line listener voicemails and text messages next Monday and Tuesday. So be on the lookout for that. This episode was brought to you by Vivid Seats. Enjoy your next live event and make your next memory with Vivid Seats. Download the app and enter promo code POSTSEASON for a discount of up to $100 on your next ticket order. Thanks so much for listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. And I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.